Thor Ackerlin, and welcome to Video Game Bullshit. This is Jeffrey Wittenhagen. I'm an author of multiple gaming books, including collector's guides for both the Nintendo and Super Nintendo. I'm a huge fan of action RPGs like The Legend of Zelda and obscure systems like the Neo Geo and TurboGrafx-16. And we've got God. Hey, I'm big into uh, no death runs, high score runs, uh, collector of all things, vintage and retro. Uh, pretty much anything video game related. Also collect figures, vinyl, VHS, tap handles, old beer signs, and old beer steins. Please call our number, leave a voicemail or a text message at 262-264-VGBS. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. We're going to avoid all the spoilers as much as possible. Um... And so, because there's some people that are listening that haven't played everything, so we're going to talk about major story arcs, but more importantly, we're going to go way down the VGBS river as we do, Kyle. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to talk about our psyche and why certain games are so good that they transcend what we call a bucket list or a backlog because i have this giant thousand game backlog and we were chatting uh today a little bit because we chat as we do and i'm like why the heck am i playing this when i have a backlog of thousands of games that i've been kind of avoiding so kyle's gonna kyle fuchsius is going to dig into my site (laughs) as always (laughs) As always, I've been there too, man. It's 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 the same story as the whole Vice City thing with me. Yeah, and it's it's that it's that whole aspect that we talked about before. When we have so many things to play, we end up playing nothing. Well, I mean, there's there's a few things we can go to, but um, I think we should jump into some uh, Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. Do a little quick overview. Um, we got a few people here that are in chat that have been playing the game as well as us. Um. Uh, I know, Kyle, you haven't played it, and in classic Kyle time, you might get to it by 2030. <laughs> All I gotta say is, I want to hear the story of how you got it. How I got it, yes. Launch it. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta start it with how we got the game and the Switch. So, 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 we, so we go back to the Switch. Um, when, when it was launched... On, um, online, they did, like, this Nintendo press event. And the Nintendo press event, uh, basically they were talking about all the cool stuff for the Switch. You know, they're showing off Zelda. And then they said, it's up for pre-order now. Well, the thing was, the press order, uh, the, the press release and all that, the little, um, videos and all that was at, like, midnight, 1 a.m. I was asleep. 
Because just like you, Kyle, I'm, I'm working. Yep, gotta wake up tomorrow, drag ass. Yep. So I woke up in the morning, um, I went online, obviously all the pre-orders were sold out, except for GameStop. And they had these giant $500 bundles with four games, so I was like, screw it, I want to get a Switch. I don't know if Nintendo's going to pull a NES Classic and, you know, release just enough to satiate all of the freaking resellers to just buy them all up. Shit, after, after that, who knows, you know? You can't predict anything, like... After the Amiibo debacle, and then after this shit, uh, as far as, like, the, the NES Mini, um, the Mini NES, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's just crazy, dude. It's, it's nuts. Nintendo's in high demand right now, and, you know, the resellers know that people want it, so they're going to buy them up, because then people will buy it from them. I mean, it's just capitalism. But um, the Wii U didn't have that problem, but I feel that the Wii U was an amalgam. I feel that because Nintendo didn't even market that system, it sounded way too similar to the Wii. It didn't have a sequel-style number like, you know, PS3, 4, it was just Wii U. It looked like a Wii. Um, people were kind of confused. And X- Xbox kind of made the same mistake, man. Yeah. Yeah, exactly the same mistake. Uh, it's like Xbox One. Was, what do you mean, like... That's <laughs> true. Xbox One. We already have Xbox One. That was the first one. Is this a is this upgrade? Like, <laughs> that's it gets crazy. Yeah. So you actually have to research into it to know what it is. Where back in the day, you knew what it was immediately. That's the difference. Well, yeah, and like even now though, it's going to confuse people even more in the future looking <laughs> back because the Xbox Scorpio and PS4 Pro are in the same generation but at more advanced tech. So it's still the same generation, but it's just way better consoles. Basically, they're just upgrading the computers now. And before we get back in the Zelda, like even and then to to add to that confusion, you have uh, games that were double dipped, re released. There's more stuff, you know, on the second release. There's a whole nother disc, you know, like Game of the Year edition. Yeah, and then you 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 get the old one, and you're like, oh fuck, this one sucks, like. <laughs> I want that one. See that for sure. It's like nuts. Where back in the day, again, you just had a game, and it was what it was. And but you know, that's just how technology, how technology rolls, man. Basically, the the best thing you could possibly have is there's a few games for the Super Nintendo and Genesis where there was like a different version of the game released, and they didn't note it at all. And, like, there would be, like, a different mu- music track somewhere, or they'd fix a bug. Yeah, like a V2, a version 2. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you'll see that on ROMs. Oh, definitely. That's where you'll really learn about it, actually. Mm-hmm. But, but like, now in the age of DLC and all that madness, um, you'll see a Game of the Year edition where all that paid DLC is on the disc, too, so... Later on, when all those servers are gone, the only way you can get some of that DLC will be via that disc with all the stuff on it. Everything seems to be in a state of constant refinement. Like, they can't just say, okay, this is good, and we're just pushing it. Yep. So, um, so back to that. So, anyway. So, with all that in mind, the Switch, I wanted to pre-order. Mm-hmm. So, that way, I was guaranteed to get the system. Um, the thing is, is that come Thursday night, the day before the Switch, 
GameStop still had not charged my card. So, if they hadn't charged me for it, they hadn't shipped it. I mean, you gotta charge it before you're gonna ship the item. So that means I wasn't gonna get it on launch. So I was like, well, what the heck? They're not gonna ship it? Maybe they're not gonna send it at all. So, basically what I did was, is I, in the morning, on Friday, I didn't go out, because again, I had to work, I didn't go out, um, and that night and go wait in line or anything. I just called Walmart, and the Walmart that's on the way to work, and they're like, yeah, we have some in stock. So I walked over and, um, or drove over and walked into Walmart, and they had three Nintendo Switches in the, in the thing. Um, one with the color controllers, cause that's the one I wanted, cause I have a, you know, little five-year-old daughter, so she, she loves the red and the blue controllers. Um, they had that, and they also had, uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, the limited edition version there. <laughs> wow, Walmart comes through. Damn, dude. <laughs> Who'd have thunk? So hilarious. So, so, so basically, <laughs> ironically, when I got to work though, like, Minutes after I got to work, GameStop charged charged my account before I could call to cancel. And in hindsight, they mailed it to me, and I got it the Monday after release. So I would have missed the entire first weekend of Switch gaming. Like when, you know, like you pay for it early to get the pre order, and GameStop's like, no, no, we'll um, we'll we'll just ship it when we want to. We'll charge you when we want to, like. <laughs> That's so messed up. So, so basically, right now, um, my buddy Jim, uh, he he was like, "Yes, I want to get a Switch. It's sold out." So I just sold him my copy for what I paid. Um, it's going it's going for five hundred dollars online right now. By the way, Kyle, overblown fun. Now, what's the retail? Uh, retail's three hundred bucks. So I just sold it to him for three hundred bucks. Um, he bought the because the thing was that bundle came with Zelda Breath of the Wild. And one two switch and two other games that aren't released yet, and so I bought one two switch Breath of the Wild limited edition and a couple of amiibos with my um with my switch at Walmart, and basically then Jim came he bought Zelda Breath of the Wild and the uh, switch from me, so that covered those two. I still had an extra limited edition Zelda Breath of the Wild, which I still have. Because um, he he wasn't interested in getting the limited edition yet. He may change his mind here now that he's played it. But um, but basically, because I pre-ordered also the limited edition Zelda Breath of the Wild. So I have an extra copy of that, and I have an extra copy of 1-2-Switch right now. So I still have to sell. I can take them back to GameStop and get my money back. That's the thing about that. Um, I just figured since... The limited edition Zelda is also sold out that I would just pay it forward to somebody who needs a copy. Pay it forward, that's right. I'm not a reseller, so it's it's one of those things. But um yeah, that's that's how Jim got his his switch. And he came over on Monday, because that's when I got it, and we played one two switch some, which um we can talk about that later too. But um we played that, had fun with that, played the snipper clips, another game, that game was fun. But um, Zelda Breath of the Wild has been the game I could not put down. Um, as soon as I got it Friday, I, I was playing it every day during the weekend. I think I put in about 30 hours just over the weekend. And now throughout the week, um, I basically have to work and you know got the family and all that stuff. 
And now I've just been relegating to exploring around the map. So basically, I've been going around. Um, there's these big giant towers in the game, Kyle, and they're super high in the air. And when you go to these towers, they you can see across the entire vast landscape and everything you can see you can traverse to. And then when basically what it does is it like does a pan of the area and you can see everything and it actually shows that part on the map at that point. Um, are you tracking how big Zelda is, Kyle? Um, yeah, so it sounds like there's shroud, right? So it's like there's shroud until you see it with your naked eye. Is that how that works? Um, the shroud is the on the actual map. But like when you look out, when you're in the tower and you look out, you can see everywhere that the map goes. You can see all the different aspects. You can see the mountain ranges. You can see where some shrines are because they have like a orange glow to them until you uh, until you go and activate them and and beat the shrine. Then it turns blue. So like you can see everything. So what what's cool is is that you can press a button on the Switch gamepad, which I assume you can do the same thing with the Wii U. Because um, the Wii U does have a version of this game. Um, and basically, you look through and you can see all the different areas like in more of a zoomed-in fashion. And you can press a button and mark the, um, the towers or the shrines that you see. And then you'll see them on the map in the, the black darkness. The sh- it's not really a shroud, it's just black. In, Com- in Command & Conquer, the whole screen's black, but whatever you go to is um, turns and you can see what's on the map. How, how this one works is when you hit the tower, the tower has the data for an entire continent of the, of the world. So, like, it has borders and everything. And it just goes around the entire border, like, fills it in like the U.S. map. So, say you went into the state of Illinois, you hit the tower, it'll, show, it'll fill in the entire state of Illinois, including all the borders. Yeah, but nothing else. But nothing else. You have to go to the tower... Activate it with your Sheikah slate, which looks just like an iPad almost, or an iPod or something, but with a little Sheikah symbol on it. Um, but you have to go into that tower. Once you go into the tower and activate it, it um, downloads that into your thing, because the Sheikah has all the tech in the game. Downloads it? Yeah. So this is like, this is like a tech, this is like a sci-fi almost. Um, Sounds like yeah. a sci-fi type. Desolate Wasteland is what it is. So basically, the Sheikah had a bunch of technology. Technology went crazy. Ganon influenced it, um, caused it all to go bad, destroyed everything. Now you're 100 years in the future where everything's overgrown and back to, like, everybody, you know, rudimentary style, Zelda style. But there's these instances of technology. Mm Mm-hmm. That's how the the game is. So like, there's these the, the giant guardian that you see on all the pr- the promo stuff. That's one of those old tech things, and that thing runs around and you know it's shooting out lasers and it destroys the shit out of you. That, I guess that's the way of like identifying with the current like generation. Sure, and I think it was their way of doing of trying to do something different. But there is a game out there that was released basically a week before Zelda that's called Horizon Zero Dawn. And it's essentially almost the same as Legend of Zelda, except for you're a female, and she's fighting mechanized dinosaurs, and it's almost too similar. It's, like, ironic 
that it was very similar to uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Uh, pr- pretty funny. Yeah, we're going to see a lot more of those, that's for sure. Fucking Clone Central coming up. Here we go. <laughs> and uh, one, one of the guys in chat did say, hold up, as someone who beat the game, it's quite different. And it's absolutely different. But if you just look from a marketing perspective, the people who made Horizon Zero Dawn knew what they were doing and knew that Zelda was coming out. And, I mean, the, the female protagonist is using the bow and arrow, which is all in the Legend of Zelda marketing. He's using that big arrow with the uh, blue tech on it, on all the marketing. Like, it was it was smartly done. And, you know, it's just to try to, you know, give it parallels to one of the greatest franchises of all time. And it, it was smart because I've heard everybody raving about Horizon Zero Dawn as well. Pretty cool. But yeah, like so. So Zelda, that was how they were trying to um, give it a new spin. Was with that tech thing, Kyle. Well, yeah, and it appealed to the new audience. Well, sure, because <laughs> that's everything in their daily lives. You know, pretty mm-hmm. much dealing with the tablets and the shit like that, uploading and downloading of things. Absolutely. And um, J. Mark did me- did mention something. The run and jump buttons in Breath of the Wild are awful in placement. That is one issue that I've seen. However, I'm not sure if J. Mark realizes you can actually change that in the menu. They actually made it so you can change the run and jump buttons because they know that it's not optimal for everyone. Now, can you change every button? You, you cannot change every button. It just allows you to change the run and jump buttons. It's pretty... What the fuck? Yeah, I didn't even mention, mess with it from the default, so I don't I don't know if the change that they allow you to do is different. Why not allow, like, everything? That's so weird. The jump is, like, on the where the triangle on a PlayStation would be, or the, what is it, X button is on Nintendo controllers. That's where the jump is. It's, it's really weird. Um... But I'm I'm used to it already. Like it, it's fine. Well, to me, Zelda has that Doom thing where it never was a platformer. Uh, no, it, it, no, it became one through the evolution of Zelda. But yeah. the original Zelda, you know, it's a top-down ARPG. But uh, yeah, so that's but the, the, that's how it goes. I mean, with the 3D, you have you have the the new stuff. It has to be 3D because it has to be a full immersive world. Like the whole Vice City thing, which is the perfect juxtaposition, like, from as far as that generation, the PS2 generation, you know. At the time, it, it's we thought Vice City was huge. And it was. Vice City was huge. And that's another funny thing. That's another funny thing that we got to cover, because basically Vice is basically two long strips of land and about three... Islands in between, maybe three or four. Um, so it's really not that big, but yeah, at the yeah. time it was big to us, you know. But nowadays, you know, something like GTA Five or Zelda, it's almost to the point where you can't even memorize everything because it's so it big is. that it's actually like a real world where everything what? is like a journey to go there. So, so what's crazy is the biggest game that a lot of people, and it's not the biggest game, but the game everybody talks about um, is Elder Scrolls Skyrim, which is a giant game. Um, that, that game, I remember when I first played it, going up the mountain, it was like a giant adventure going up this mountain. It was epic. Um, there's tons of cities and towns and crypts and all this insanity. And apparently Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is ten times that size. 
Skyrim basically took its laurels from Hexen, yes, which was a first-person shooter that was uh, like medieval, steeped in like a medieval thing, you know, mm-hmm. with the whole warlock deal and the um, barbarian type thing, you know, that whole time. So it kind of evolved with that, but the yeah, the size now. And the, the memory that these games can hold, I mean, it's so much bigger, obviously, because of progression, the evolution of technology. You know what's really hilarious, though, is the size of the cartridges, because, yes, the Switch does use cartridges. The size of the cartridges is the size of, like, a PS Vita cartridge, which is about the size of an SD card, maybe smaller than a micro SD card, a little bit thicker. But that's about how big it is, the size of an SD card. The memory that it takes on the system is a micro SD card, um, which is even tinier. That's the size of your fingernail. Uh, but the, the so the cartridges, like everyone was saying, though, like, oh, why aren't they using Blu-ray discs or all that stuff? But I'm like, the actual cartridges that they use can potentially hold more with the advancements of technology. I mean, they could potentially release terabyte games on this thing. It's the chips that are inside it, yeah. Yeah, and and chips are getting cheap, so... And smaller, yeah. <laughs> so it's hilarious, though. Um, another cool story from this week is when Jim came over to pick up his Switch. Uh, one of the guys, which is Chasing Happy Ness on YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, he wanted us to do, a lot of us to do a video where we lick the Nintendo Switch cartridges. Lick chub. Lick them. But licking the cartridges, they put something on the cartridges to prevent kids from putting those in them, put them in their mouths. So I don't know if you've heard of something called bitters, Kyle? No. <sighs> Not at all. <laughs> bitters. Okay, so, so bitters is what people put on, um, somebody, like a kid's fingers to prevent them from chewing on their fingernails because it tastes terrible. Weird. And it's a, it's a mental thing. Okay. Well, they put something like that on the cartridges. And it's a, and like, so we, we both licked it and we did the camera thing. It was hilarious. But it was, it's terrible and it lingers in your mouth. Like, it literally tastes like, um, mucus or puke. It, it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what they keep kids from swallowing it, huh? You, like, throw it up, too, if you do swallow it, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just terrible. Like, it's so bad. It, Interesting. So basically, though, the same thing with bitters. is like It's like a mental thing. So if you put it on your fingernails and then you put your fingers in your mouth, it tastes like crap. You're mentally going to be like, I don't want to put my fingers in my mouth anymore. That's what the, it does. So it's the same thing with the cartridges. It's like conditioning. Pavlov's dog 101, yeah. <laughs> so so some of the cool things with Breath of the Wild, they've actually reintroduced some of the classic enemies that we haven't seen, some since the original Legend of Zelda. So, I mean, you have the Wizrobes, which have been in a few different games, but the Wizrobes are back. Um, they have... There's multiple different types that have the elemental rods, though. So you have fire, ice, electricity for, for your rods. Um, I'm assuming there may be a tech one or something else, too. I haven't seen any of those yet. But basically, okay. you get your rods. Um, if you use the rods just like other things, which is something we're going to cover, um, the rods do dissipate. Um, but the one really cool enemy that I've found so far is, is the Lionels. Those are back. Mm. Haven't seen those since Link to the Past, I think. Are they up in the mountains, like in the original uh, N3? 
there's one up in the mountain, there was one in this other area that I saw, and each time they beat the shit out of me. I have not beaten one yet. Cool, cool. I was hoping they were tough. Oh, they're really tough. Yeah, and they should be. They have, they, they not only have, like, these electrical, like, shots, uh-huh. but they also breathe fire, and then they all, and they have melee attacks that just destroy you. So, it's ca- it's taught me how to, how to, um, get really good at the controls and at all the attack functionality, but also, um... I still haven't beaten any of them. And it was crazy because one of the ones that I did was, like, right before I did a bo- the first boss fight, which I've only fought in one boss so far. And I beat the first boss first time, yet Lionel beat the shit out of me for an hour straight. I couldn't beat him. Like, and, and this is the first Zelda in a long time that I've died a lot. And it's not because, um, I didn't die because I'm not good at the game is I've died because I'm not powered up enough. So like at the beginning of the game, we're all dying a lot. And then I went and ended up going an incorrect way, which I think a lot of people have followed in my suit, which means that I guess the game kind of leads you along the path. But, um, I was in an overpowered area, but then I also being in an overpowered area as you learn the game and power up and get more and more powerful weapons. Um, I'm now extremely powered. And then when I go to the other areas that have a lesser power for the area, I'm destroying people. It's it's insane, actually. It's just one of those things, man. I think it sounds like it's a level-based type thing, you know, where you, like each each guy, and it kind of was in the original, too. Like, you you didn't go into the mountains. It's exactly like the original. To, you know, to mess with, with the Lionels unless you had... You know, a lot of hearts, or a good weapon, or, you know, unless you really wanted something bad. Mm-hmm. But it was always kind of like a progression, which it should be. I mean, every game should kind of have a progression in a way that... Um, I think that's a way that the first Zelda kind of established the path that you should be on, too. It's just by the way that the bad guys weren't too tough in the beginning. You know, the Octo Rocks and stuff. Absolutely. And they did bring back the colored enemies, so your red enemies are weaker, then your blue enemies are stronger, and now they have black enemies that are even stronger. Like shadow guys, yes. Yeah, almost. That's cool, though. Yeah, it's it's really cool. They brought back a lot, so everything in this game seems to be like a harken back to what made Zelda amazing. I mean, there's even, you know, inklings of... Um, there's great fairy fountains inklings that you may need certain amounts of hearts to pull sword to get an upg- a sword upgrade um, there's tons of stuff that I've heard or read and, and I've heard like in the game not going on Wikipedia like talking to people in the game they'll hint at things and what really blew me away is when you told me how when you had that fight with the robes, they like knocked the sword out of your hand and it like fell into a pool of a lava and shit like it's shit like that that's it almost yeah. second I, I thought of like Star Wars Empire Strikes Back when Darth cuts off Luke's hand and it goes into the depths of Bespin, you know. It's it's kinda like shit happens that you won't expect during the battle. And you could all you yeah. could almost never recreate it twice. Yeah, because the Wizrobe electrified me, and when you get electrified, you drop whatever you're holding sometimes. And I dropped what I had, which was actually the fire rod that I finally found. 
And it, and it goes, and each, t and I was going up the tower, and each tower you go to, not all of them, but they have like a gimmick to them, a trick to get up to it. So they'll have some kind of hazard or a way to get up to the tower till you can start climbing. They make it a little difficult. And this one was just like surrounded by whizzeros. <laughs> so you're like, oh, fuck. Here we go. Yeah, and I was trying to fight them. Um, they still electrocuting you. If you have any metal on you, obviously it's conductive. <laughs> so like, it's you know, it's like common sense. You know, we're electric in, in a in a lightning storm. Yeah, but common sense never came into play. Like you know, no, back it in never had to. And that's that's where like Vice City never had gasoline. There's no common sense. Like, no. Like today, I was riding on Epona in a, in a thunderstorm. I had a metal freaking shield on my back. I got struck by lightning and electrified myself and Epona. And see, that's this is what's interesting and a good point I wanted to make is that Vice City was nonsensical for all the right reasons, and this game is sensible and realistic for all the right reasons. So they they both did it right, but it's like, you couldn't do that in a game like Vice City, but you can do that in a game like Zelda. It's just interesting, the dynamics. They're both 3D-type games, but with Zelda, you almost want it to be realistic because the way we've played our whole lives, you know, in our minds, in our imaginations, it was realistic, you know, when we'd play out in the woods and yeah. shit, pretend we were Link and shit, like, whatever. It was real. You know, when, when we were a little kid. So it's almost my, it is Miyamoto's dream. Miyamoto's dream. It's <laughs> that it's like, this is actually, and it's so in depth. And even where you say you have to make certain like combinations, you have to take items and like combine them. And there's just crazy shit that it, it, yeah. it kind of adds on to the previous games, you know, and like Link to the Past where you had to make the magic powder with the mushroom and the witch and, and later on, they had stuff like that, too. And then now, you know, it's kind of advanced to the point of reality where it's like, if this was real and you were in the woods and you were fighting for your life type thing, like, this is how it would really be. And that's what makes it really unique to each um, event that happens within the game itself. And I can see that progressing as these games progress through the years. And it, it's just going to get to a freaking point where it's, like, beyond insanity. I mean, it pretty much already is, if you think about it, you know. This game is beyond insanity. Like, it's it's went past any expectation I've had. And you, you make a really good point that Vice City did it properly. And even Zelda does it properly, where they go and go above reality to the point where you don't have to do a lot of the annoying things. Like, I don't have to go with Link and find a tree and go take a dump. <laughs> like, that's realism. Like, I gotta go pee now. Like, that's no. true realism, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to eat to survive. You eat to regain health when you're getting damaged. But if I run around for two days straight, I'm not gonna keel over and die because I haven't eaten. That would be, like, the gasoline thing. Yeah, Link, like, pees his tunic and no one in town will, like, yeah. talk to him and shit. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be amazing, though. You haven't showered yet today, Link. <laughs> We're not going to talk to you. <laughs> oh, fuck. Or, or making you have to sleep at night. Um, Final Fantasy XV did do that. You had to sleep at night. 
um, mm-hmm. to save. Uh, but that you don't have to do that. You don't have to um, shower. You know, you know what I mean. Like those are the little things that would turn people off. Then it's no longer, <laughs> you know, a game. It's too much in reality. But then it's like your your daily fucking routine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be retarded. Like so, th- I I think that it was grounded. But um, we might have a good segue into all the stuff that people dislike about Breath of the Wild, because there's a lot of little things that piss people off about this game. Well, let's see, let's see, let's go, let's go. Yeah, so I'm not going to look online, I'm going to go off of what I've seen, and what I've experienced, because I might bring up some stuff that people aren't bringing up. Um, so, so obviously, the biggest thing that people hate with Breath of the Wild is the constant breaking of weapons. People are getting annoyed as hell because you finally find this badass weapon and you use it and within a minute of fighting a guy it breaks and now you have to use another weapon this is perfect because i never played the game so this makes this perfect so is there a meter for each weapon a strength meter like how does the how does that work like does it get brittle after a certain amount of time does it show you it's brittle is it random yeah, there, there's um, there's not necessarily a strength meter, but each weapon has a um, a number. So, like, say you have a a a club or a pitchfork or a hammer, and it's like a twelve. But you might have a sword that's a twenty, or a sword that's a forty. Um, and, you know, a 40 will last longer than a 12. And as you play the game, you'll kind of get an idea of how it will last. So if you're using, um, I don't know, a, a hammer to break up rocks, it might last longer than if you're using the hammer to bust on people. So what if you have the Master Sword? That can't break, right? <laughs> I've heard that the Master Sword does break, but it has a recharge time to quote-unquote fix itself somehow. Mm, interesting. That's Weird. the only one that does that. So that means everything breaks? Everything breaks. Oh, that sucks, though. Yeah, because <laughs> there's like two items. There's this trident that I just got, oh, and if, if that trident breaks, I can take it back to where I got it from and with items, and they'll fix it for me. And there's like one other item. I think it's like the Hyrule, the classic Hyrulean shield or whatever that you can do that with too. It's like taking a piss though, kind of too. You know, it's just God damn it! Like I gotta fix this again. I mean, so so that's the only way that um, the only ones you can do that with. Everything else, when you break it, they're gone, and you have to go scavenge more. So like that badass samurai sword that I showed you a picture of, that already broke. It's gone. I don't have another one. That sucks. <laughs> Yeah, that right there. Fuck. But the thing is, is there's so many weapons everywhere that you're never without a weapon, and you're never without a comparable weapon. It's just... Yeah, but the collector mentality. You can't collect them exactly. anymore. Exactly. It's like, no! I know this would <laughs> grind your gears. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> so, I, so I found a, a little way around this. Um, there is a way to buy a house in the game. And you can have a weapon rack, a bow rack, and a shield rack to store a couple. Not a ton, but a few of the best things. So um, in the game, it supports amiibos, 
And yeah, right, right. some of the amiibos give you a quote-unquote rare drop. So I got the Twilight bow from the Twilight Princess. I got a shield from Wind Waker. Um, and they're only with amiibos. So I put some of those in the house. But the um, I got a sword, the sword that Ganon used in Twilight Princess. So it's this 65-level sword. I didn't want to be running up a tower, get shocked, and lose my damn level 65 sword. Mm-hmm. That would piss me off. Um, so I put that there. Now, I haven't put a lot of money into the house because you have to buy all the little displays and things. Um, and I don't know how <laughs> many you can do. But I figured once I get another badass item weapon, I'm going to take it over there. And put it in the um, in the house again. So that means basically, if you had them in the house, if they did break, you just like re- reload the game. Well, if I I have them in the house, I would basically take them out for like a boss fight or something. If they break, they're gone, or I just leave them in there for a display in my quote unquote collection. <laughs> okay, I guess that's the best we can do here. That that's a abo- that's about <laughs> it, um, and it's it's not cool because uh, I know you you hold on to every damn sword you find in Final Fantasy VII, classic stuff like fuck that. yeah, dude, yeah, because that is an awesome aspect. Because once you get to level ninety nine, you can use them all. You know, yeah, it doesn't yep. matter because you just destroy everything anyway. So it's mm-hmm. just fun, like looking back, like oh, I remember this one it looks super cool, HR Giger style, or you know, whatever. Oh, hell yeah, and, and and that's definitely a major change for the series. Um, the whole game is kind of structured for that, so it works, mm-hmm. but it's different. It is what it is, you know, it is what it is. I can understand the, the, the pissed off, though. Well, my thing is, um, looking at it from the other side... If the weapons didn't break, and now, granted, there should be some legendary ones that don't, that you have to hunt or something. Like, yeah. the Master Sword shouldn't freaking break. Um, but, if it didn't break, we would never use some of the smaller weapons. We wouldn't use all of the weapons. So, what's the worst case scenario? You, if they all can break, do you end up using your fist? Like, how does that work? Every weapon, every enemy that has a weapon, you can grab them. So there's some that are like an overabundance and it doesn't matter. And there are multiple abilities in the game that you can utilize to also destroy enemies. So you can um you have bombs and bombs are actually a like magical ability that's attached to your device. So you can take a bomb, throw the bomb out at a like a, a boko goblin like or a moblin and throw it, they'll go flying, drop their weapon, you run up and pick it up. You got it. Okay, so what what makes a weapon break? What makes a weapon break is use. Just, that's all? Mm-hmm. Using the weapon. You could even just chop some leaves for a while and it'll break? Exactly. I was having to really? chop trees for a, uh, for a side mission. They wanted some wood bundles, and I was using a wood-cutting axe, and the wood-cutting axe broke at, and while I was doing it. Fuck, man. Yeah. <laughs> There's no glory, though. Because then every weapon you get, you're like, who cares? It's broken anyway. Well, it makes you use everything. Broken in time. Even using the fire rod or the electrical rod, those break if you use them too much. Once you use them a certain amount of times. So it's it's just more like you gotta not take it as, this is a collector style. You just, it's just use it as you find it, and it's scrappy style. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, it's a way that Nintendo got you to use all the different items. Because now, and I have, you know, the these badass swords, but if I use them, they may break. So I'm going to use all the stuff the Moblins are dropping that are still decently high level and still can kill everything that I'm going through. I'm going to use those because if they break, I don't care. I'm going to grab another one from the next Moblin. Um, and that's kind of how I go through it. And then when I get to like a major bad guy that's going to kick my ass, I pull out something beefier and destroy him. Okay. Um, it's kind of like a, another strategy to play the game. And the thing is too, is that this game can be played a multitude of ways. I mean, any type of way you want to play an adventure, you can. If you want to just go from point A to point B, you can go right to Ganon at the beginning of the game. Really? It's that easy? Yeah. Um, he'll kick your ass. I mean, once you get the nuances down, you may be able to beat it. But, um, there's, you know, all these different divine beasts you need to free that help weaken Hyrule Castles so you can get into it easier. And as you do it, you power up and get all the items and upgrades and everything. So everything is going to make that battle doable. And that opens the door for speedruns, too. It absolutely does, and that's why they did it. Yeah, just wait. Just you wait, kiddies. Yeah, it's like, hey, if you're good enough, you can go beat Ganon. That's <laughs> kind of what my Miyamoto said at the... Um, at one of the press conferences in the States, he's like, he told the, the, Gerard, the completionist from YouTube, he told him, he's like, yeah, you're not going to complete this game, but you, you could essentially go to Ganon right at the beginning if you're good enough. <laughs> if you're good enough. That's cool. But he told the completionist he can't complete the game. He's like, oh yeah, I will. And he's like, no, no you won't. <laughs> so funny. It's <laughs> amazing. That's his test. The trials. I, I do think that the game is definitely able to be completed. Um, but, like, there's these little leaf Korok dudes, and hilarious that um, there's, like, 900 of them hidden in the game. 900. Oh, so it's like the spiders in um, yeah. 64 Ocarina? So the, the Koroks, you take it to this big old tree, Korok tree, and if you bring him a certain amount, he'll upgrade your weapon, armor, or bow slots. So right, right now, if you have six weapon slots, you give him one Korok, he'll upgrade to seven, then two, then three, he'll do the next one, then four, he'll do the next one. And the same with bows and, and with um, shields. So the more of those you can hold, the less you have to rotate through while you're playing through, and you can hold on to and do your Kyle hoarding for your awesome swords. You know what I would have done, man? I, I would have had like an Excalibur swordsmith. That you could go to and make any weapon permanent, but you had to pay a price. Like, whatever. But that would be my little thing to the game. <laughs> there might be something like that. Cause, I hope cause so. granted, I haven't even seen the entire map yet. Um, I've been hunting and mapping out the thing all week. I still have, I think, two or three areas left to map out. Including the middle area, because the freaking robot guardians have been kicking my ass in that one. So we got robots now. Yeah, so it's getting like tech world. Yeah, chrono style, man. That's cool, though. I mean. And and no, it absolutely is. It's a chrono style thing. Um, but each one has like a little get to it, which is really cool. Because um, it doesn't matter 
uh, how you go about it, you can go at any level and, and get a tower. Like J-Mark is saying in chat that he actually was able to get to that tower that I haven't been able to get to. Um, but I haven't played it since the very beginning before. I was still at probably six hearts at the time, maybe less. And now I'm at ten. So if I go there now, I might be able to get the tower. Because I, I literally just got a a really ridiculously hard tower that's on the top of an ancient ruins. And there was guardians over there shooting at me and all this like flying guardians shooting at me and stuff. It was ridiculous. Um, and those guys still, one shot from their laser takes away all my hearts. Even where I'm at now. It's crazy. Mm, tough boys. Yeah, and I, I like that they have that. That's awesome yeah. because I, I was able to get by that part because they have different armors and they have one that's a Sheikah one that you can sneak around. I just utilized that and I was able to get through it. Like, like there's different ways for you to go about things and it's, it's really cool that they added those abilities. So... The first major thing that I knew you wouldn't like would be the, the weapon thing. Now, once you upgrade your slots far enough, I gotta assume that you could start hoarding different swords and never have to use them, and you could just have them. So when you get the same sword, it doesn't, like, collect as far as 2, 3, 4, 5, right? You could get the same sword a hundred times if you want to. But would it say, like, a hundred in your inventory, or what? No, it would take up a slot, each one. So that's that's important to know. Mm-hmm. With um with items, items can go infinitely. So if you find apples or um meat or whatever, because there's no hearts in the game, like you can't just get hearts from enemies. You actually have to go eat food. Um, but there's food and items and mushrooms and everything everywhere. Shrooming. It's never it's never <laughs> scarce. Hell yeah, Alex new link was a shroomer. It's great. He is a shroomer. There's tons of tripping out and shit. Hell yeah. <laughs> And, and you can cook, as you alluded to earlier, you can cook and combine. So you can cook a chill shroom with the meat, and it'll give you a resistance to heat. If you do peppers with meat, it'll give you a resistance to cold. And so when you go to these extreme areas, like there'll be Death Mountain with all the heat, or the desert with the heat, or the cold at night, or the mountains where there's, where there's a lot of cold as well, if you use those... Um, different types of meals that you've cooked, you'll get a buff. And that buff will last a certain amount of time. But if you you can hold five items at a time. So if you do a meat and four peppers, it'll give you, instead of two minutes, it'll give you like ten minutes of time. And ten minutes of time, you can almost get to where you need to go. And if you eat another one, you get another ten minutes. So And you, and you get so many items, especially when you're like I am, where I'm scavenging around for days. I have so many items that I can literally get from point A to point B in any area with that buff enabled if I needed to. And and that's kind of how they want you to learn how to play things instead of just, you know, running through it. They want you to kind of figure out the world, you know?
the other thing is, is rupees are very scarce in the game. Really? So you, when yeah. you when you kill guys, they don't drop. It's not classic. No rupees. No, it's 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 not classic style. The enemies all drop pieces of that enemy, so like guts or horns or fangs of the enemy, and those can be combined with like insects that you find to make elixirs and things. Which is pretty cool. So that's so they're just dropping all this shit, and you, in the beginning of the game, you're like, "What the fuck? I guess I'll pick it up." Yeah, <laughs> just collect everything. That's that's what I was doing. So the limits of collecting does it is it weight based? Is it number based? I you said there's certain slots with the weapons, but how about grabbing some random like parts and shit or whatever? There is there's no limitation on anything except for. How many weapons you can have? How many bows you can have? And how many um, or how many shields you can have? So when you collect one of each item, then you can only have one, or can you have like multiple? You can do multiple. So when you collect like apples, it'll do the number at that point for those pieces. Okay. So that's cool. It just reminds me of like Super Metroid too, with all the suits, and even Doom, how they had like the radioactive suit. So it's like now you can create different things for your character to go in certain environments, which is very Super Metroid. But there's, like, tons of different outfits and suits in this game. It kind of started with uh, Legend of Zelda Triforce Heroes, where they allowed you to have different outfits in that game on the 3DS. But this one, each suit has different abilities or stats. So, like, the armor for, like, the soldier armor will have a lot of you know, um, a lot of protection, but when you're moving around, enemies will hear you because you're clanking around. Whereas the Sheikah suit has some protection, but you, when you move around, they can't hear you at all. So you can sneak up right behind them and kill them. So wait, we got to stop here. So is you're telling me it's like Metal Gear Solid too, where the guys can hear you. If you want to play it like Metal Gear Solid, you can. If you're loud, they can... They catch on to that? How does that work? Like, Yeah, they absolutely do. Um, When you get within vicinity of enemies, they'll be alerted to your presence. And then there's guys that pull watchtower, so they'll be like up on a higher pedestal. And if they see you, they'll blow a horn, and then everybody in the area will be alerted to your presence, and they'll bum rush you. So that's like huge like details, though. Like That's fucking amazing. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. They started to do some of that stuff in some of the handheld Zeldas and um, in Wind Waker, Legend of Zelda Wind Waker on the GameCube. Um, they started to do that stuff. There was a Orcarina of Time had the little stealth section. So, like, this is that perfected, um, and it's great. So, so, so the one aspect I want to mention that nobody's talked about that could be a major complaint and something that you may not even know. And J. Mark, it's not going to be a spoiler because he's over in chat. He hasn't really played through the game. This game does not have traditional Zelda dungeons. She said there's like five, four or five. I was like five. That's so small. And it's not even. Like, I went through the first dungeon. It's still more puzzle-based than having enemies because classic original Legend of Zelda, you go into every room and there's enemies there. It's just like the overworld. Every screen has enemies. Um, the overworld of this game is 
filled with bad guys. There's guys all over the place in different areas, depending on where you are, is the type of enemies. So, like, in your, when you're in the mountains, there may be stone enemies, or, you know, like, in near Death Mountain, there's these, like, little blob guys that are fire now, or everything has a different theme, and, like, the Lionels are around, and all the, the keys are flying around, and... Everything is all on the overworld, but when you go into it, there's a lot of shrines in this game. There's like, I think, 90 shrines. All the shrines are either puzzle-based or there's like a quote-unquote battle, and you fight one ancient robot in the shrine. Because all the shrines that pop up are because the tech became active, so they're like the ancient shrine. Um, But there's 90 of those. Every four shrines you do... You can go to a statue and pray, and they'll give you either a heart or increase your endurance by a quarter of a, a point. Because there's an endurance bar in this game, Kyle. <laughs> so you get tired, like in, in Vice City, where you can't run anymore, or how's that work? Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, <laughs> and and that not only applies to getting tired when you're running, but you have this sail that you can um, float with. So you can jump off of a tower and kind of float down with a sail. The sail has that same, uses the same bar. As well as when you're climbing up a mountain, you have the same, use the same type of endurance. Now, the mountain thing is one of my favorite things because not only can you mine because you'll see certain different areas that you can see and you can hit them with like a hammer or a heavy weapon and it'll pop out these rare gemstones that you can sell for rupees um kind of how you do it um that's one way to do it um but also you can climb to avoid enemies if you're underpowered like i was at the beginning of the game i would just kind of go around the mountains around the guys, throw some bombs to kill some guys and scavenge some weapons real quick, like hit and run style with, with bombs. So like, like you can go about this game a million ways. If there's metal near the enemies, there's another ability you have that's magnetism and you can literally move metal. So like, say there's a treasure chest buried in the bottom of the sea. You can see it and you can pull the treasure chest out with the metal, like the metal ability. So ability, like is it a tool? Is it in you? It's the iPad thing that you have. That little piece of tech that you have from a hundred years prior. It can do not only bombs, it can do manipulate metal. It can stop items that are in motion, certain items and later enemies in motion. And when you stop it in motion, if you hit it with your weapon It'll still be paused, and if you hit it enough, it'll go flying in the air <laughs> because once it once it reactivates. So you can use that to solve puzzles too. Um, there's that ability. There's uh, the amiibo ability, which is ironic. It just allows you to scan amiibos. It's kind of that one's kind of a cop out. Money times, give me money. Absolutely, give me money. absolutely. <laughs> uh, there's also a um, a photo ability so you can go and chronicle everything in the game you can take a picture of every item one time and it'll document it in an album facebook style yeah I, judy's got that like my year in review so <laughs> so so imagine this when we were talking about the completionist earlier not only do you have to find 900 of those little shitheads hidden around the entire game in random spots 
You also have to take a picture of every single item and every single everything in the game. <laughs> it's a register in the album. Pokemon uh, Snap, huh? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's Pokemon Snap's Revenge. <laughs> <laughs> there's that. There, and I know that there's an ability I'm probably forgetting about. But there, you get all of these in the beginning trial area. There's like a plateau you start out in the game where it kind of keeps you away from the all the outside game. And in that plateau, you get all the abilities as you go to the shrines, because the, um, the old man at the beginning leads you there. Pretty cool. Good old old man, that's cool. Good oh, old yeah. old man, yeah. A good reveal, too, at the end. I don't want to do the spoiler. A good reveal to that at the end. Um, but yeah, once you get all those abilities and everything, the irony is that plateau is larger than the entire map of Ocarina of Time. Just the beginning plateau. <laughs> time sink world. Yeah, that's where it's going to take a long time. You got to realize, like, I've almost quote unquote mapped out the entire game now. However, I haven't mapped out the entire game because I haven't walked through the game. I've literally just went to the towers, mapped them out, went to a couple of the shrines that I could find, and then kind of moved on because. I only have so many hours to play in the day. Um, there's so much more to explore and hunt, and I'm going to go at it like piece by piece and just like kind of scour the the world for stuff in the game. And as I do it, what am I doing? I'm getting better at the game. I'm getting more items. Um, the thing is, is the great fairies in the game will upgrade your armor and make you more, make you stronger. But in order to upgrade it, you need certain items. So the items, if you quote-unquote do the mining for your easy rupees, some of that stuff might be required later to upgrade things. So some rare, some of those really rare ones, you got to contemplate whether you want to get rid of them or not, or will you find them again? So that's an interesting dichotomy for that. So I know people are, are probably wondering... Uh, what does Miyamoto think? What does Miyamoto-san think of this whole shindig? I haven't watched any interviews with him. Have you seen anything as far as his what he thinks about the whole game, the whole awesomeness? Oh, I think he was he was hands on with a, a, a Numa with with the creation of this game. They've been working on this game for years. Like this is his baby. Yeah. See, I, I think it's time to watch some Miyamoto-san interviews. Tonight, I'm going to have to go on YouTube and check some of these out. Because I, I bet he's, like, going crazy. Because this is, like, his dream. Like, now it's actually realized to where it's in such an immersive world that it almost is reality at this point. So you got to think. It, it really is. You know, he's got to be freaking out. The fact that there's no real... There's no real dungeons in this game is a big turnoff for for some people. Oh yeah, so what the fuck? Like so it's just it's just different the way it is. Yeah. And I haven't went to go battle and fight and find the other guardians, so I've purposely avoided them so far. So I I got to assume that the end when you go to Hyrule Castle to fight, you know, go against the Ganon and all the madness. That has to be an epic dungeon. It has to be. Um, if it's not, it'll be interesting. But um, there's there's a lot of little side quests. I want to try to do everything. Um, I assume that they're going to not quote unquote kill the game after you beat it, though, 
because um, we mentioned earlier one of the issues with this current with the current newer generation of games is DLC. Breath of the Wild is doing DLC. It's just the way that it's the Amiibo thing's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's the same exact fucking thing. It's just in a different package. It's making money. Yeah. So with the um, the DLC, it's going to be. I know the the summer the summer. They're it's twenty dollars for all the DLC. They're doing one in summer and one in the winter. The twenty dollars gets you both. And it, there's a hard hard mode, and there's a. A, a cave of trials, which you gotta assume is like a boss rush or something, or maybe survival. And then they're gonna do some whole extra thing in the winter, a whole nother thing that they're doing. Because they're basically still work making new stuff for the game now. They've already completed everything, now they're making extra stuff, and they're just gonna make it bigger. They're basically just a way to continually make money off people who've already bought the game. Yeah. That's what it is. It's clientele retention. Yeah, and I mean, in Nintendo's instance, they're trying to give people more um, content, is what they're trying to do. Um, there's there's obviously been game companies that have abused the system for, for like, DLC and stuff, to where it's like, do the DLC and get this, uh, this t-shirt, and hell, this DLC, you get a damn Switch t-shirt for Link. Like, they, they did it, too. If you abuse the system, you abuse yourself. Yeah. And Nintendo's too smart for that. Yeah. They've been around way too long for that. Well, and, and they are a toy company. That's why the Amiibo thing is such a big thing for them. They're a toy company, so... Game & Watch. Game & Watch. Exactly. They're they're in for the, the long haul when it comes to the toy business. But um, the DLC itself it doesn't make me mad at all, because... I'm going to be playing this game probably till the damn summer trying to get everything. I mean, <laughs> I'm probably going to try to uncover everything, get as many hearts as I possibly can, at least get the Master Sword. Uh, do, there's a couple of major side quests I got to complete um, that are part of the story. I want to uncover the entire story, and then I'm going to go through the beasts and beat Ganon. That's what I'm going to do. Um, and then I'll continually go back to it to just do all the little side stuff. Assuming, if, if I find out that the game ends, then I'm not going to go to the end. I just, I'm not doing it. So is it, is the the linear way to go about the game um, just exploration-wise, or is there like a, if you talk to enough people, do they kind of put you in a certain route? Or, I mean, what, what do you think is ultimately, like, the best way to go about um, starting a new game when you're totally fresh, just kind of explore everything, or what do you think? I really think that you have to explore everything because um, you there is no, like, go here person. Like, once you get done with the plateau, because when you're in the plateau, um, it's kind of, you're in a small enough area to where you're kind of led the correct way. After that, there, there's no direction. You have to go explore. So if you go the wrong way, you're likely going to die. Um, I just thought that the game was hard, so I kept going <laughs> when I went the wrong way, and I ended up getting used to it and trudging through. Yeah, which is cool. <laughs> yeah, it is really cool. Um, and so, like, because cause the thing is, if you apply the proper buffs and, you know, continue to eat food and all this, you can get through like, a lot of stuff. Even if you die a couple times, you can still get through. Because the classic, you know, v- new video game thing is it'll load from the last save, so you don't necessarily have to go back to the beginning of the game. Like, it's not a not a big detriment when you get 
beat. But um, the the key is is that my recommendation for people that are just getting into the game after you get unleashed on the wild is getting those like doing what I'm doing this week and not necessarily going for the story. But going for all those giant towers so you can map out the world. Because once you map out the world, you're not only getting to see where everything is, and it kind of gives you like some general baselines. As you find stuff, it will note it in the map as well. But um, after, as you do that, when you go on the top, you can um, use these little beacons and put them on the important spots. So if you see a shrine, you can put a beacon on it. Um, and... You know, then you can go hunting. And as you're going from tower to tower and you find things like stables for horses, you'll learn things about the game. Like if there's a stable, there might be a shrine nearby Like every time. Um, each every four shrines gets you a heart. So if you start exploring, you're going to get hearts as you're exploring, too. Uh, yes. Very important. And if, once you get into a certain amount of hearts, if you can pull a sword, then <laughs> a certain master sword, then that might give you a distinct advantage as you're playing through the game. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of how I'm going to go through it. I don't even know how many hearts I need. I'm kind of going to avoid that for spoilers, because I don't know and I don't want to know. I'm just going to assume an amount and then go look for it. Obviously try to find where the Lost Woods are and people will allude to things when you talk to them in towns and in stables and all that stuff. They'll allude to, Oh, this legendary master sword is in, in the lost woods or, you know what I mean? Like that's classic. It's always in the lost woods in, in Zelda games. I mean, it's, that's not a spoiler at all. And if it is actually in the lost woods, then that'll be an awesome thing. I'm avoiding the lost woods till I have a lot of hearts though. Cause I don't want to get to it through this whole giant thing. And then, not be able to pull the master sword i'd be pissed <laughs> <laughs> and as far as like uh do you think with like the final recent final fantasy game do you think this is more engrossing because it's one character or just the world or do you think they're both equally as engrossing like how would you compare the two it's like if you had to because I, I i know you recently got that one so it's interesting to see what what makes this one... I mean, we're obviously huge Zelda fans, so... But I just want to hear your take on it. Yeah, that's that's definitely part of yeah. it. Because it's Legend of Zelda, like, to me, it's it's uh, leagues above just because of the, the franchise. It's the same reason why the game on the Wii U, Hyrule Warriors, it's essentially Dynasty Warriors, but with Zelda characters. And... That is the only version of that game that I will play. Like, Dynasty Wars gets repetitive as shit. But being able to play through Hyrule Warriors as Link and destroying thousands of freaking bad guys <laughs> in, in, in vicinities and watching them explode, it's like very satisfying because it's Zelda. Um, and that's the, uh, that's the thing. Like, uh, Final Fantasy 15 has a lot of differences, but it is open world. But that game, can beacon you from point A to point B. It'll show you where to go. It'll it'll give you, like, alright, to continue the story, go here, and you can set it on your GPS in your car, and the car will drive there for you. Like, you can literally have it take you on a tour of the game. Whereas this game it is completely Zelda 1 style. Alright, go. <laughs> here's, here's some uh, items and some abilities, and figure it out. <laughs> I think the, the size of it 
will lend itself to like you can't really figure everything out just by looking at one place. You almost have to do it yourself to know everything. It's not like the old games where you could just pull up a map. I mean, this would be like one big ass map if you pulled that up. So, yeah, absolutely. So that leads to the retention. They're counting on people not being able to put this down. Uh, so you know, you get totally engrossed within that universe. Mm-hmm. You know, and then all the other people that you hang out with do too, and they all buy the game as well. I mean, that's how it works. Hive mind effect. <laughs> and then the thing is, is you're going to have the people, and I mean, that are going to go and play this game, and they're going to play it as fast as possible because, and maybe because they're excited, but also because, you know, it's part of their job as a YouTuber or as a reviewer. And they're rushing through it. And it was the same thing when I was playing Final Fantasy XV. I was, that game you literally have to sleep to save. So I would play it in day stints for a while. Um, I stopped going back to it because, um, started getting busy with other stuff, which will lead to our, <laughs> our, uh, analytical aspect here. Um, but like Breath of the Wild, I'm just, like, I don't think that's a game that we need to, like, flow through as fast as possible. Um, J-Mark was saying that he's making it a point to with to play it without consulting or talking to anyone about the game. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking, because yeah. it's the best way... I mean, just in general, like, just for your own discovery. Discovery is the best thing in life. Yes. Discovering everything for yourself. You know, I don't want to hear about it, I want to read about it. I mean... I will, but, but but I want to experience it for myself. Now, the thing that I... You know how, like, every Final Fantasy, there's, like, new characters? Yeah. And every Zelda is, like, constant. So I think... I wonder if that has a thing to do with just the fan retention of, like, okay, this is Link's new adventure, this is a big deal, versus here's a whole band of new characters. I mean... It, it is a different dichotomy. You know what I mean? Like, like nostalgia-wise. Because yeah. you have no nostalgia. You have nostalgia for Final Fantasy, but you don't have nostalgia for something new until you've experienced it. Nintendo marketed the shit out of their stuff back in the day. They had Zelda on everything. Hell, I just got a Legend of Zelda trash can from the 80s. Like, Zelda was on everything. Uh, so was Mario. So was, you know, all of their major franchises were marketed on toys, on bedspreads, on everything. And it helped ingrain everything in our psyche as a kid. And they still are. Amiibos. Yeah, and they're doing it again with toys and Amiibos. New downloadable content. Yeah. They're they're literally doing all that stuff like they have the 8-bit link pillow that they're putting out so when they do a new legend of zelda you have all that aspect and then they reference it all they give you little fan service as you're playing these games i mean the fact that the master swords in the game and alluded to and the fact that you know you can sit there and get horses just like apona back in the day and you can get swords just like and do the spin slash and you get bow and arrows and bombs and boomerangs and you see the we were talking about the Lionels and you know the keys and all the classics like you get 
all the different aspects. So, like, even stuff that the normal Zelda gamer wouldn't know about the enemies, I'm tracking as a hardcore freaking Zelda fan, and it's even more immersive. It's insane. And I think that's a, a major aspect to why Zelda will always, and, and Nintendo franchises in general, will trump a lot of the newer franchises. And it's unfortunate when a game like Horizon Zero Dawn comes out and it's excellent, but gets completely overshadowed by Breath of the Wild. Um, the only thing that that game has going for it is that the adoption rate of the PS4 at this point is like going to destroy anything that the fan base of the Wii U and Switch combined has right now. The Switch had a really good launch, like one of the best in history. They, Nintendo's saying one of the best in history. I don't know cool. what proof that is. Good for Nintendo, good. Like, they're completely sold out, So and they did tons per store. However, um, the PS4's been out for a while, so the potential install base of Horizon Zero Dawn has to be more than Breath of the Wild. Maybe not. You, potentially you would say it is. So, but it's still not Legend of Zelda, you know what I mean? And the fact that Breath of the Wild did what it did at the scale that it's doing it, that's what's mind-blowing. Yeah, it's and as far as like the Epona that you mentioned, and the, the Wolf Link, before we get too far off from that, um, there's a Wolf Link Amiibo 2, Mm-hmm. And I, I was, I saw some pictures of that, and that looks pretty badass. So, how does that work? How does the amiibo relationship work with the game? So, within the game, you have the amiibo thing. You can use each amiibo once a day. They'll do, um, like say Link will drop a bunch of random, like the Wind Waker Link will drop fish. Um, you can get a bunch of different fish, and it'll drop a treasure chest. That treasure chest may have a weapon in it, or it might have a Wind Waker tunic in it, or a Wind Waker hat in it. Um, and so you can get outfits from the old Zelda games, like Orcarina Time, you can get the Hero of Time tunic. Um, so that's how a lot of the normal amiibos work. The first time I scanned the Link Smash Brothers amiibo, which is kind of the, you know, Twilight Princess one, it gave me a Pona. Actual Pona. So how does that work? Can you just ride around on Earth, like, endlessly, or...? In the game, there's stables. So, when you find a wild horse, you have to tame it, and after you tame the horse, you can take it to a stable, they'll put a bridle on it and everything, and then you can put it in the stable, or take it out whenever you want. And you only get a Pona once, and I've seen people complaining that they've spawned a Pona on a damn mountain and lost her. <laughs> they won't get her back. So wait, the amiibo, it only works one time? For a Pona, it only works apparently one time. What? Oh, hell no. Are you serious? When I got a Pona, I the rode fuck? her and I found, I didn't even know the stables existed. I rode her to a stable and registered her, so I have her forever. That's what I was going to say. So you just... Spawn her by a stable, basically. Basically. Yeah. That's crazy they would do that, though. And that's something that's not a spoiler. That's essential to know, James. Dude, that's crazy. In chat right now. That's fucked That's up, essential dude. to know. The one time. Like, so, you gotta restart yeah. your game completely. Then it'll spawn again? Or how does um, the reset work? 
I've heard rumors that it may it may spawn again. <laughs> folklore, pawn of folklore. Man. Fuck, man, that's fucking nuts. Yeah, so it's it's a bit crazy. And uh, Apona was awesome because, oh, yes. as you know, London, my daughter is obsessed with horses, and and so the interesting part was is up to that point we hadn't seen a horse in the game, and as soon as we started messing with, she started bringing me amiibos. We did Link, and all of a sudden a horsey showed up. She freaking went nuts. Oh my god! Fuck yeah! Nostalgia one one. It was so awesome, like made her freaking childhood at that point, and and it was Apona. So she still has me on a hunt for a white horsey with black spots. Um, now of co- of course I was in a thunderstorm, fought some boko goblins, what they're called, and one was on a black horse with black spots. It was like black and white, and she was like, "Oh my god, that's the bird horse!" And lightning struck the horse and killed. She has to deal with death now. <laughs> I was like, no. Bum bum bum. But yeah, so she'll <laughs> one day we'll get her her Bella is what she's gonna call it because I'm letting her name all the horses. She named them after her cousins. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So we got Ellie and Ellie and Zoe. You're my brother's kids. <laughs> like their horses. Um. So the other amiibo, the other special amiibo, is the Wolf Link amiibo. Yes. That looks cool as shit. So if you scan that amiibo, you get a wolf buddy, which is Wolf Link from Twilight Princess. Um, you get a wolf buddy that goes around with you to fight enemies. Um, the wolf has three hearts, and and if you go somewhere like in a shrine or somewhere, the wolf will disappear. But you can scan it, and it'll come back that same day. Nice. So that one doesn't. It's not a one-time deal. However, uh-uh. if the wolf gets killed in battle, oh no. You can't use it till the next day. You can still use it again. Oh, well, that's cool. But if it loses hearts, you can throw like meat on the ground, and the wolf will eat the meat and get power back. So it's actually kind of cool because it takes the moon to like bring it back. Yeah. So once the moon like sets, then it's good. That's pretty badass. Actually. So so the wolf is like a, a little bit of a helper if you're struggling with the game, but it's also fun. Just to run around with the wolf every once in a while. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. I, again, my daughter loves the wolf, so she'll be like, scan the wolf, and I will, and he'll be running around with us. And That's what we all need, a, a wolf next to us, man. Wolf by our side, shit. The, the, the classic is, is she's like, why isn't the wolf allowed to go in the temple with you? The shrine with you? Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> like, damn it. She's asking the question, too. She's five. <laughs> like, so hilarious. Yeah, well, well yeah, I mean, like, Realistically, I guess you could say there's bad vibes. You know how like dogs can always sense the the bad shit going on. Yeah, maybe that's the only explanation I I can give her. And and so um because there's no dungeons and there's only a few major you know bosses like big areas in the game. There are like giant bosses on the overworld in the game. Um, there was this giant rock boss that I saw once. I just ran from it. I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't powerful. Gollum man. Yes. There was this other guy that was called a Hinox, a Hinox. It's this big fat ogre, had an eyeball. And I was like, okay, so there's a mountain right here. So I stood up on the mountain 
the Hinox thingy didn't have any way to shoot anything at me. It was trying to throw rocks at me, but kept missing. So I just kept shooting arrows at its eyeball <laughs> and then throwing bombs at it. And I was able to kill it. As the story goes, of course, after I got cocky after beating that guy, then I saw my first Lionel and it kicked my ass. Uh, <laughs> that's cool they have the, the Cyclops guys from, like, Links of the Past and stuff. Absolutely. At least a throwback or whatever you want to call it. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that, but yeah, that's that definitely could be a throwback to the, the Cyclops from Links of the Past. That's awesome. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. There's some, there's some other um, really cool, random things you'll see. There's these star pieces you have to find that are rare items that you follow a shooting star in the game to disappear. So it's almost like pieces of a uh, asteroid or something? Yeah, and I, I noticed that you have to use it to upgrade um, armor later in the game, and each piece... Uh, super cool, because it's like from a different world. That's cool as fuck. Yeah, well, well, and it's for, like, the Twilight tunic or the Hero of Time tunic that you get from the Amiibo stuff. You literally have to use the stuff from another world to upgrade that power. That's super cool. I mean, because, yeah. you know, that that's that could happen any time. You know, a, a world made of a total different type of, like, mineral. They're saying there's planets that, like, rain em emeralds and shit. You know, it's just if it's in their atmosphere, then it creates that. It's insanity. So that's actually cool that you can take like a extraterrestrial material and turn it into something. That's that's fucking badass. Yeah, I like that. And then the other crazy thing that I've seen is some giant dragons. Like Ooh. I'm talking about like re big, the size of a giant bridge, like huge dragons cool. floating around in the air and elder dragons. You got to have your elder dragons, man. Yeah. yeah. And I shot at one. And it dropped some really rare item, like some item thing. It just like dro appeared in front of me. Cause it didn't even do anything. It didn't attack me or anything. It just like was. It had lightning that was shooting all around it, and then I I just shot it with an arrow, and it had this rare item. So yeah, because even in the first um, Zelda, you had Aquamentis, and then you had uh, Gliok. Mm -hmm. Doing the Gliok Rock. So you had your multi-headed dragon, and you had your, you know, one-headed classic dragon. Yeah, this one's like a giant, like, ceremonial dragon-style one, where it's, like, super long, and it's, like, has all the wavy twists in it. Mm-hmm. That's cool as fuck, though. I bet that looks badass as shit, dude. <sighs> looks so cool. I try to get pictures, and I don't think I got any good ones. But it's definitely there, and it's just, like, there's tons of cool stuff like that. I guarantee you there's stuff I haven't even found yet, which is amazing to think about. That, like, there's so much that I've not uncovered, and that's why it's like this isn't even a spoiler thing. It's just I've went on an adventure. And, you know, the th thing is, is other people that are playing it are going to have a completely different adventure. No no two people are going to see this game the same way. It's impossible. Yeah, that's what I was talking about, like, with the battle scenes. It's Every yeah. battle is going to be different because something different is going to happen in each one. And mm -hmm. uh, it's what you were talking about, too, with how Nintendo has that retention level and they keep bringing themselves to the surface over and over again. I mean, there's people that don't even know 9-11 happened, and let alone, like, the Manson murders and shit. You don't know what you don't know, which we always say. And people forget quick. So that combination, man, you got to bring it to them. You got to hit them in the head every fucking day. You really do. Yeah. 
You really do, though, because if not, they're going to look somewhere else. And it's just kind of how it is. Yeah, and it's it, the, the attention span of people now is so all over the place. And, you know, it goes to, you know, the the whole backlog talk. And that's the thing. So, so we talked in depth, like, about the... Not the we didn't talk in depth about the nuances of Legend of Zelda. We talked in depth about the overview of the game, just the big pieces of the game that make it, you know, this awesome giant adventure. And so, so I've been putting in all these hours. Well, what puts this game above everything else that's in my bucket list in my backlog that I haven't played? The thousands of games that I haven't played, that many of them are A-lister titles that I have not played and beaten. Like, there's classic games on classic systems. There's newer stuff. I have tons and tons of games for the PS3 and PS4 that I haven't opened or played because I don't have time, right? So that's what I want to know, yeah. What's, what's the underlying root? This last one week, I have played Zelda every single day, so I can make time. And I've worked on my book every day, too. I didn't stop doing my book work. I've gotten multiple pages done. Yeah, I got throw in with Vice City. I played it for one to two months straight till I got 100%. Every night, I had time to do it, and that was just how it was. So it's if you want something bad enough, you will fucking get it. I've said that so many times, but it, it's true... In it's the way true. you have to really want it, like in your soul, though, it's got to be like fucking deep. But if it is, there's you will get your shot, like whatever that is. I mean, even like a dream that you have, you know, if you just keep yeah. doing it over and over again, it's like it's gonna happen. It's just those people, people quit, people stop after a while. But yeah, it's just that like undeniable factor within yourself. And you you know when it hits too because you can't think about it like anything else. You cannot think about anything else but Zelda, and and that's literally like I'm thinking like when I get home, um, I'm gonna go through this aspect of Zelda, and then there's such an unknown about this game where it's like, all right, so I don't know where the hell I'm gonna go tomorrow because I really don't. I've mapped out about as far as I need to. I'm gonna see where the the game takes me. That's what I'm gonna do, and it's like, what game can you do that where you just kind of see where I go and just <laughs> let the wind take you? And and because I've went through and just simply mapped and went to some areas, and you can quick travel between shrines and those towers. That's why the towers are important, because you can quick travel from one end of the map to the other without having to ride the whole thing for an hour. So if you want to get to, I don't know, the desert, I can quick travel to the entrance of the desert. Kind of like with the flute in the original Zelda. Yeah. But each area is bigger than, you know, the entire Orcrean Time or the entire Twilight Princess. Each area is bigger than those games. So, like, even that. So do you think future Zelda games going to, like, dwarf this? Uh, you got to assume that <laughs> things got to either stabilize somehow or it gets more creative or I don't know, man. That's the question. We've said it before. This is the perfect game. For for me, This is this is a pretty amazing game, and... I can't see them doing much except for changing nuances and things. Like, 
say they throw in just a traditional Ocarina of Time style Zelda with dungeons, giant dungeons and weapons that don't break and stuff. They could do that in the next Zelda game and it would be a little different, but it would still be similar because it'd be gigantic. Like it would be interesting to see. And so, so the thing is, is back on the, um, the backlog thing. So if you want something bad enough, you're going to play it, right? Fuck yeah. So Kyle Fuchsius, riddle me this. (laughs) 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 Um, so is it about time that I go back in the backlog and just completely add a new section and say that that backlog is now secondary games that I should play if I ever get time? Or should I just not even reference the backlog anymore and just let the games come to me? Yeah, that's it. Like, zen style, dude. Like, feel it. You gotta feel it in your fucking gut. And then you go, like, okay, we gotta do it. It's like Haunted Halloween 85, like... We just, we were like, went crazy on it, you know? Well, like, being OCD, like, I always want to play the best games. I want to play everything. And I've always had that. But as we've gotten older and, you know, we have jobs and families and um, now projects that we do, including VGBS and books and going to conventions, and there's only so much time in the day. And the backlog is just like, well, I could do that or do this. But when a game like Zelda comes out, like it pulls you in and I just go with it. And the best stories are the Haunted 85 stories where it pulled you in when we were at the convention and we made it a thing. The other important thing to realize, like you can't create that. No. I can't create like a Vice City again. You can't create like a Breath of the Wild again. Like it's it's a special thing that I don't think any of us can um, expect to come down the pike, but eventually something will come and just blow our minds. I, here, I think if it hasn't blown our minds yet, I don't. There's a chance it might never. Um, it may if we grow into it or we change a little bit because we all change every single day. Breath of the Wild was a perfect example. It popped out of nowhere. That game is so good that it's hit 99% of the gamers in the face. There is that type of once-in-a-lifetime, quote-unquote, but not really once-in-a-lifetime, but once-in-a-generation, we'll say, game. Special. It's just special. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And you can feel it. Like like I said, you know, with the Black Album, Metallica, and Final Fantasy VII, and Terminator 2, you know, yeah. (laughs) There's just certain things that are, like, huge landmarks that we all recall. Yeah. And it's it also, like, when you were talking about 80, 85 and the aspect of getting into it and the story behind it, like, that's also why I think 86, even though it's technically a much better game, bigger story, better mood, everything, it didn't have that nostalgia piece to it. That's all that's missing, and that's an important piece that nobody thinks about. The, the nostalgia of the experience of that game. And, like, so 85 has the experience. And then we did a homework with it and did a whole podcast episode on it. With the people who made it, you know. With the guys who made it. And That's how far you can go with it, though. Like, when you get into it, it shows you how far you can take it 
And it's like, it is possible. It's entirely possible. You just have to, it's just so interesting how it like clicks. And then it's like to the moon. <laughs> I, I think with any game has the potential of hitting that nostalgia hot. Anything. Shit. And and then I think there's a separate list of the Breath of the Wilds, the the Metallica Black albums, the Terminator 2. The thing that's so good that it transcends and creates nostalgia on its own. Yeah, when like Tammy had the Black album, I was like, okay, this when your sister had the Black album, I was like, okay, like this is this is a thing. Yeah. And so now of course the other aspect is you you do have the what we call the vocal minority that are online that are going to be like, I don't understand why everybody likes this Legend of Zelda. You'll, you'll see that all the time. And it's it's a vocal minority because everybody else is just like blown away that are playing it. And I do have a devil's advocate to that that I've been thinking about. I've been thinking yes. about it. Yeah. Um, it's like, that's what evolution is. If you didn't have someone who wanted to progress, then it would never progress. So, like, you almost Very need true. that, like, troll or whatever we want to call him, like, the asshole or the <laughs> the, the really specific critic, the, the nitpicker, which I've, I'm the same way. If I'm really passionate about something, I'll, I'll be that asshole. So, you know, that's the thing. I've, I've been on that side, too. Well, I mean, we, we did that with this, with the um, Breath of the Wild overview, is we, we talked about the bad, because there are things in the game that it's not a perfect game, it's just an exceptionally amazing game. It's amazing. I don't think that there is any 100% perfect game out there. There's going to be something that we will find, especially VGBS Bullshit Masters, we will find something in the game. Because if it was perfect, we would just lay down and, like, be satisfied. But you, then, within that, we, we would never grow, and you would never see the next game system. Yeah. Because you would never have that guy who was pissed off and is like, you know what? No, I'm going to get in the programming right now, and I'm going to do exactly what I want to prove all these people what I'm talking about. And then you have the next, like, level. Then you get Oxium Verge. For, <laughs> they played, he played Super Metroid and says, I can do it better. And he made Oxium Verge, and it's amazing. It's kind of like the progression at first. Change is always bad to everybody. Change always sucks. Even just like getting hooked up to the podcast tonight. It's always a bitch. But once, <laughs> once you're in, you know, you're in. So, you're in, you're in. And then you're like, cool, you know, this isn't so bad. But change is always going to be... You know, like a roadblock, a mental roadblock for everybody because you're comfortable. You're comfortable in your little state, in your little bubble. But if you do expand, you'll realize there's more in this area potentially. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's that's just how the universe works. Oh, it's, it's exactly how the universe works. And yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things where I, I may have to just kind of not worry about the backlog and go where the flow takes me. Because if I'm sitting there forcing myself, all right, I gotta knock out a backlog game, so I'm gonna sit here and play, I don't know, Darksiders. Darksiders is apparently an amazing game. Everybody's told me so. I played it a little bit. I've enjoyed it. But it's... There's a lot that I don't quote-unquote enjoy a ton with it either. So there's that give or take. Um, and going through and playing 20, 30, 40 hours of that when I have other stuff to do and it's not 
engrossing me like something like Breath of the Wild or Vice City or Final Fantasy VII back in the day did. Um, Final Fantasy VII now playing it isn't as great as it was back in the day either. That's the other thing. Not everything has transcended time and space. And The Black Album isn't their Metallica's best work. It's like Justice no. and Master Puppets and Ride of the Lightning. Yeah. And some would say Kill Em All, you know, if you're in your thrash mood. But yeah, it's the early stuff that's Metallica's best work. That's the same thing. And I think Terminator 1 is superior. Terminator 2, it just hit that chord. Terminator 1 has that, like, film noir. It's, like, dark as fuck, too. Real dark and dirty type film. It's like a horror movie. The examples we're using, like, it really is entertainment at that point. Video games, movies, music. It, it transcends all things. Nostalgia can hit you wherever, whenever. And it may be the best way to treat video games in that same realm. Um, obviously, it's the the focus of, you know, a major part of what we love in life. But... Like, creating that list is tougher, and it's not because the list, because I have a list of movies that I would like to watch, but the movie only takes me an hour and a half. The games take 40 hours. At least now. Fuck. Like, that's a huge dedication. So, it, it's just one of those things where... I have to figure out how I want to restructure. Either I restructure and only put like A plus games, and then create a separate list for palatable retro games, like a game that we could do in a sitting, um, like that kind of thing, or just let it go. Um, it's, yeah. I mean, we kind of had a VGBS podcast. Um, episode log for a while we're like oh we're gonna do this episode then this one then this one this one yeah we tried to plan it before we tried to plan it it didn't it what it didn't always work because it's it's not like um natural well we have to be inspired yeah that's it dude yeah we've been planning to do like nintendo power for like a while we will we will sometime but, like, the time will come when we're just going to be overflowed with, we got to do it. That's where it is, because, like, the Bionic Commando episode, Biocom, you're, I think that was the one where you're, where you're like, I just love when Kyle gets into something. Because you can feel it, like, then I go crazy. Like, that's the thing. So you have to harness that. Thank you for listening to VGBS. We appreciate everybody taking the time to get through this whole uh, arduous podcast. We love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you want to correspond with us, you can email us at vgbspodcast at gmail.com. We also have a phone number. It is 262264VGBS. You can leave us a voicemail, shoot us a text message. Um, whatever you want to do, correspond. Also, comment on us. Shoot us a message on Facebook, Twitter, Google+. We love hearing what people um, think about the podcast. All right. See you later. Woo. Later.